got a whole host of uh, things coming up. Uh, first of all, this evening, uh, we've got our evening service at six o'clock, uh, which has been going for the last few weeks, and uh, it's great. Uh, it's great to be part of, and uh, Jonathan's going to be preaching tonight. You can wave, Jonathan. And, uh, and you'll know Jonathan's a great speaker, and if you haven't heard him, real opportunity to come along and hear him uh, tonight. Uh, so that's at six o'clock. Then next Sunday evening, we have the induction of our new pastor, Anthony. And uh, so do come along and be part of that. We've been busy trying to arrange that and put all the pieces together. A lot of people coming along to take part in the service. And it'll be a great event uh, as we celebrate the coming of a, a new pastor. Then on the 22nd, we have our AGM here at 7.30. And uh, so, again, it's just that time of the year where we do all our accounts and all the various other bits and pieces in an AGM that, that we have to do at this time. So uh, do, again, put that in your diary. It's open to everyone. You're welcome to come along and be part of that meeting uh, on the 22nd. And then we have Christmas, just so you don't get bored. And, uh, and we've set our Christmas theme, which is the King is Coming. And, uh, and again, I think... I, maybe I'm wrong in this supposition, but I think people will be open more than normal to coming to church. I, I think that there's going to be a sense of searching over the next few months, maybe years, but, but certainly this Christmas in particular, I think people are looking for hope and aspiration. And if Halloween, I don't know if you noticed, Halloween was a big deal this year, more so than I have ever seen it in a British context in my living memory. And uh, I'm envisaging Christmas is going to be equally big, if not bigger. So uh, do invite people along to church. We have a whole host of, of services. Anyway, this morning we're going to turn and we're going to look at the, the work of CAP. Uh, we we were going to be exploring something to do with global partners, but unfortunately, due to illness, uh, Eddie Love from Open Doors was unable to be with us, so and that's something to look forward to in the new year. And uh, we've been meaning to get a space to just celebrate the work of CAP. And so it's great to have Fiona, who works under the auspices of the church uh, with CAP, and, uh, and just hear a little bit about this amazing ministry. And uh, I get to hear most weeks what's going on and the, some of the exciting stories. And it's just great as a wider fellowship that we're going to be able to do that this morning. So we're going to watch a video and then Fiona's going to come and talk a little bit about the work. And depending how much time I'll come, maybe come up and say a few closing words. looking back on it it's actually quite frightening and I'm not a guy that frightens easily but that looking back on it it is actually quite frightening that he got to that point oh yeah oh that's you it you must be Becky yeah, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is your house. This is Shay Sid, yes. <laughs> yes, no problem. Right. Lovely to meet you. Can I do the tea or anything? Um, my name's Sid. I'm 58 years old. In my younger life, I was well into sport, cricket, rugby, boxing. Um, used to get paid for playing cricket and rugby. Actually playing cricket with Ian Botham, Graham Hick. Tom Moody, virtually half the England side were at Worcester at that time. I seriously injured myself, which meant that my sporting career was not over, but it would never be 
professional as I wanted it to be. I was still able to play a bit of village cricket. I actually had an accident at work and something fell on my head and they took me up and gave me an x-ray and this lovely little chap came through and he said, oh, we found something that's not there, not supposed to be there. And I went, oh, you mean a brain? And he said, no, you've got a tumour. And I said, no, 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 I'm indestructible, me, I don't get things like that. Can't happen to me. Brain tumour was operated on April 2015. Pretty much a year later, was diagnosed with Crohn's, which is a quite a nasty stomach disorder. Admitted to hospital, um, and just before I was admitted to hospital, my mother passed away, who I've been looking after for a few years, um, quite suddenly as well. It, it turned out I was suffering from a very severe depression because of what had been going on. And obviously during that time as well, I was getting into debt without actually knowing I was getting into debt. I was on some quite um, heavy duty medication and it just spiralled. So pretty much everybody you could owe money to, I owed money to. The nurse came into the room and she said, can I get you anything? I said, no, just shut the door and let me die. I'd had enough. The will, the will to fight it had just gone. So they looked after me in, in hospital and fixed the broken bits again and got me up and running. And when I came out, someone referred me or said to me, if you've got problems, give these people a ring and gave me a card. And when I got home is when I made the, the phone call to Cap. I tried to collect everything that was relevant to what was going on, so letters and bills and all the, the correspondence. And everything was explained, which puts you so much at ease because you actually, for the first time, know what's going on. And then Andrew said to me, I'll give you some, he actually gave me a load of prepaid envelopes. If anything comes, send this off to Cap. If they ask for anything, send this off to Cap, here's an envelope, you don't have to worry about a stamp or anything. And for the first time think, crikey, there's a way out of this, you know. It, it was like a, a weight being lifted off my shoulders. Brilliant. That's when Andrew dropped the bombshell, did you fancy coming to church on Sunday, Sid? So I said, no, all right, no, no, yeah, no, no, that'd be nice, that'd be nice, come along. And I turned up knowing two people Andrew and Chris. When I left, 20 plus people, see you next week, Sid, have a good week, see you next week, oh, I'm going, crikey, it's a bit different, isn't it? They're all very nice. That was four years ago, but maybe a bit longer. Um, 
and apart from the times when I've been in hospital, I've not missed a Sunday. I see things totally differently now. My whole attitude is different now. I wake up every day and every day is now a lovely day. And to watch the transformation, both physically and, and spiritually, uh, to, to sort of lifting the real Sid back into life, it's almost like a resurrection type thing. From where he was, to, through the process, to where he is, full of spirit, full of life. He gets involved in all the meetings we do, our small groups, our worship Brilliant. meetings, as well as our regular Sunday meetings. And we believe God is good and God can do things, and Sid is a testimony to that. So it's, it's been a real delight and a pleasure for us. Without Cap, Gary, Andrew and Chris, and the church, I actually would rather not think about where I would be now. Um, it really has made that much of a difference to my life. And um, unfortunately, with the current financial climate, it's with real sadness that I think Cap are only gonna get busier. So people need to know that there are people out there who care firstly and secondly can actually help it's that sense of belonging and the sense of friendship to me it, it is priceless interesting and very moving and I think the more I see it the more I see quite strong messages in it some of which we'll we'll touch on again I want to bring you a little bit more local now quite often people will ask me you know what are the reasons for people getting in debt and you know how much debt do people have um, and obviously we can't talk about individual circumstances but um, every year CAP does a client survey and we now do one in Scotland so all the information I have here is Scottish. Um, so just to give you a few statistics so that you know a little bit about the, the clientele that we're working with. Almost 50% of people say the main reason for debt is mental health, low income, or relationship breakdown but like said so often it's just a whole combination of really difficult circumstances reasons for borrowing vary but the top ones are household bills that they couldn't pay job loss or a car or household appliance that's broken down or a health crisis 85% had income below the UK average and 52% were living below the poverty line. The average number of debts 
owed was 10, and more were things like rent arrears and council tax than things like credit cards and loans. 79%, so the majority said they felt lonely and didn't have anyone to turn to. And as a result of that, sadly, 36% say they had actually considered or attempted suicide as a way out of debt. Now, I know these statistics are really hard to hear, but as we've just heard, there is hope. There is help available. And as Sid said, there are people who care and there are people who can help. So you can help us to spread the word about the help that is available. Martin Lewis, our friend and money-saving expert, tells people all the different debt agencies that are available. And then he usually says, um, but if you want someone with you while you deal with your debt, go to CAP. So God is using CAP to bring hope into these situations. Sterling Baptist is one of 10 churches who wanted to reach out to people in the community who are struggling financially and who are feeling lonely and isolated. We don't pay people's debt for them. We help them to gather things together, put together their own personal budget, and we provide all the various options that are suitable for them together with a recommendation. And we support them until they're debt-free. So they always have someone that they can turn to. One of my earliest clients, I always remember him saying, before this, I ha we had no one to turn to. But now we've got, and then he named all the people that they had that they felt they could turn to, which is just fantastic. To give you a few examples of other things that we've helped with, because people come with debt, but then they usually always have other issues as well. Um, so where there is a need, we will help with emergency food, uh, utility top-ups, sometimes in other practical ways, but we also offer friendship and um, prayer support as well. So a few of the th ways that we've helped people, um, we were able to refer someone to a social inclusion worker. This is someone who would have had difficulty accessing services. Um, so he needed a benefit review done and this social inclusion worker is now able to help with that. We're helping someone sit a test that will hopefully get him this card that can help him to find work. This church actually helped a single parent family that had been affected by a house fire uh, by offering them um, supermarket vouchers to help replace some of what they needed. And we've given out lots of emergency food packages and gas and electric vouchers, particularly since April of this year. And we always offer to pray for folks. When you've sat with somebody like that and you've, you've heard their devastating story, it seems so appropriate to offer to pray. And many, most people, to be honest, um, accept and are happy for us to pray for them. We have volunteer befrienders um, who will keep up with people, just encourage them, support them, or maybe meet up with them for a walk or a cup of coffee or something like that. And we've got a few lovely relationships like that going on at the moment. We have been fully booked since the end of April. And actually since April, we've had about twice the amount of clients than we've had in the first three years. We've now been going for three and a half years. Um, 
So we, we are seeing a rise in the number of people looking for help. Stephen Worgan has now finished up with CAP. He's very involved in the credit union. Uh, but the good news is that uh, Colin Primrose from Tillicoutry Baptist, who some of you might know, is in training to become a debt coach. So there will be Colin and Maureen Worgan and myself once Colin's finished that. But we couldn't do any of this without the support of our partner churches. And we're just so grateful for your support. It's lovely to look out here this morning and see folks who have been particularly involved, uh, helping out with administration and prayer and giving, uh, and giving of their time to come along on visits with us. So thank you so much. We do, really do appreciate it. And just to let you know a, a little bit about what the needs are at the moment in this area, we do cover all of Forth Valley but we have three churches in the Stirling area, this being the lead church, uh, where we, we have financial support and we get our volunteers who come along. And at the moment, it's just Maureen and myself who are going out on visits. And if we visit a man in this area, um, it's ideal for us to be able to take a man with us who can just get alongside the client and put them at ease and just chat to them. And Due to logistics and different things, um, we don't have any men at the moment. Um, we would just be looking for a couple of hours over a few weeks, every once in a while. It's not a continuous thing. As I say, we cover from Bowness to the Green Welly. So we've got other churches and other volunteers in different areas, but we would love to have a couple of men in this area that we could call upon when we need them. We've also been looking for someone that might be able to help us with um, PR and referrals in the area. So somebody that would be that would feel at ease maybe talking to small groups of people like social workers, for instance, who might be able to refer folks to us. Because we cover such a large area, we used to have um, two people who helped with that. Now we only have one in the Falkirk area. So if you think you might be interested in any of these things, I'll be upstairs afterwards do come and have a chat and if anyone would like to make a gift uh, we're not going to take up an offering but if anyone feels they would like to give to support uh, the centre either on a regular basis or one-off um, we'll pop a slide up um, that gives you the details of how you can do that through the bank account we have a separate bank account within the SBC account um, and it's also on the news sheet if you don't um, take the details just now but thanks again for your support thank you for giving me the opportunity to to give you a little update thank you let's take a moment to pray for Fiona and the work that the, the cap day center does uh, Father God, we thank you for Fiona, we thank you for the debt center and for everyone associated with it. Lord, we, we just pray that you will continue to work through them. Lord, we thank you for the lives that have been set debt-free, and Lord, we just pray that that pattern will continue. So Lord, we pray that you will give us a heart of compassion for those on the margins. I ask this in your name. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's great because uh, every time somebody gets debt-free, we hear about it in our weekly staff meeting, and that's great. And there's been quite a few recently getting debt-free, and, and it makes such a, a massive difference to individuals as that happens. 
And, and the reality is that services like CAP are becoming increasingly important. And I just three conversations uh, that I had this week. Um, the, the, the first one was last night, and I was talking to someone that was involved in the government support for families and children and all of this. And uh, I was sitting here and about all the initiatives, there's quite a few initiatives out there, and, um, and about the money that was being put there and things. And, and I began to, as I was listening to this conversation, I got increasingly annoyed because I was thinking about governments, and again, this isn't party political because I think all of them are probably in the same boat. But actually, following policies that generate issues that they then have to bandage up. And families, one massive one. We follow policies and, and agendas that damage and dent families and relationships in our society. And it's our governments that facilitate a lot of this. And then they have to pay money to patch it up. And, uh, and the expression of debt, we talked about relationship breakdowns, we talked about all of these elements. It's massive. And, and we're living in a, a, a world where there is this um, ambivalence in government policies. Just, you know, they, it just doesn't make sense, a lot of what is happening. And, and it's generating a social crisis. Uh, and we can camouflage it in all kinds of ways. The, the second conversation I had was with a, a, a teacher. And uh, I was just talking about post-COVID realities in schools. And, and I said, so is the school pretty much beyond it now? And he went, beyond it? We're just starting to deal with the consequences of it. And he was explaining to me that children with anxiety unable to attend school used to be single digits. Now it was one or two. He's saying we're looking at multiples of tens and twenties now. And it now represents a percentage of the entire school population. And, and again, the sort of figures were, were terrifying. You know, and, and just thinking about what's happening. And then the third conversation was somebody I was talking with. And, and uh, again, they were involved in uh, an area of uh, policing. And we were just talking about gaps that existed. And I know I've had conversations with people in healthcare. And the, the, the percentage of people that they have running <laughs> all these services is, is scary because they've been so depleted. Uh, I believe over a million people have come out of the job markets. Those are the people that are in their 50s or 60s that probably wouldn't have retired, but because of COVID have all decided to retire. And, uh, and that puts the people that are there under vast pressure and you're all about to see all the vast strikes and everything that's happening in our society. And, and, and so, you know what? It isn't good. <laughs> the outlook is not good. And, and, and the challenges, and, and by the way, and, and, and I promise to do this and hold me accountable on this, but, but we have a lot of people in our church that are still working in these situations on the front lines, in healthcare and in education and in policing and in social support roles. And, and in the new year, I, I want to get some of them out here and we want to pray for them and be supporting them because we need people to, to rebuild. 
We, we need, and, and, and it's not only people, we need Christians to help rebuild, but we actually need a Christian community. So this goes for all of us that are retired or not. Uh, as I was talking about family life last night, I began to realize that the solution to the situation that we face is not just running a course. Oh, let's run a course and then we can tick a box and fill in the forms and send it off to the government agencies and show our outcomes. Might sound familiar. And, and, and I began to realize real transformation takes place within community. It requires community for transformation to take place. It's not just a course. It's not just going on an online course and then it's all solved and sorted. It actually takes community to change individuals. And, and, and again, this is where the work of CAP and uh, Martin Lewis, who isn't a Christian, but, but you'll hear him say this, and I have heard him say this, and, you know, good morning, Britain, saying, if you want somebody to journey with you, go to CAP, go to CAP, they'll walk with you. And, 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 and that's what the church is, it's about journeying with our community through the issues that we are facing. In 1939, there was a, a, a poster that was put up, and uh, it was all around the London Underground. And uh, it's made a big comeback. It's maybe more popular today than it ever was. Uh, but keep calm and carry on. And uh, they started to appear in 1939, just as the Blitz was about to happen in London. And uh, it, was, it was really the idea of British resolve and the idea that you just keep going, and uh, you know, British stoicism, that stiff upper lip, uh, uh, if you remember the Carry On movies, but there was a Carry On movie called Carry On Up the Khyber, and uh, there's a scene, Roy Castle actually was in the scene, uh, in the usual crowd, and um, the, the British embassy is being attacked and uh, they're sitting having a dinner party as the roof falls in and things, and they continue with the dinner party as if nothing's happening. You see, that's British stoicism. That stiff upper lip, soldier through your adversity and not let your emotions interfere. And, and hear me out, it's good to have inner resolve, but you know what? That's not the only response that we can have to crisis. It's not only the only response, it's not also the most appropriate response to certain crises. And the thing about the Bible is that it shows us that sometimes when a society is in crisis, lament is appropriate, a crying out to God. And it's an appropriate response to the pains and injustices we experience in life. That the Bible gives us permission to feel pain. God doesn't expect us just to have stiff upper lips and carry on. And, and, and we see this very much in, in the, the stories of Jesus, where Jesus weeps and is broken sometimes by the situations that he finds himself encountering. We see Samus crying out to God consistently. And, it's, it, and as you read the Psalms, you, they, they are quite shocking at points. And we see prophets lamenting over the people and the situation that the people have got themselves into, often because they ignored God and God's instructions to them. Jeremiah, who wrote the book of Lamentations, is often known as the weeping prophet 
because of the book of Lamentations. And, 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 and he wrote the book of Lamentations because he saw his people with their freedom taken away, living outside of relationship with God, and it broke his heart because he knew that there would be a consequence to rejecting God's laws and God's ways. And that would be an economic, that would be a political, that would be a social consequence. And, and, and Jeremiah weeped as the Babylonians ran into town and he watched the people reap the consequences of rejecting God and God's laws and God's patterns. And it was devastating to him. And, and, and he wrote the book of Lamentations, and it's not stiff upper lip stuff, but it's words which are given expression to feelings. It's, it's those crying out of the heart. You see it in Lamentations chapter 2, verse 1, my eyes fail from weeping. I am, tor- I am in torment within my heart is poured out on the ground because people are destroyed. You know, and uh, I'm sure we've experienced that kind of heartache maybe in our own situations and personal situations where we've encountered situations where we're just overwhelmed with the grief of it, with the pain of it, with the hopelessness of it, with the, the despair of it because actually the way that we thought things were going to be just didn't turn out that way. And, and, and here's Jeremiah doing this, but... That last verse, because my people are destroyed. His, his brokenness was not over his own situation. It was over the situation of the life of the nation and the people around him. And, and, and I believe that heart is the beating heart of Christianity. It's, it's the heart, and it should be the heart of us as a church. And poverty is a reason for us to lament. Many things that bring about feelings of despair and cause our hearts to ache. You know, there's war, and we've been talking about war and bereavement and disaster and injustice. But do you know what? Poverty and what we see it doing and the economic consequences of policies which our governments have followed and our global economic systems have followed, and, and we now reap the consequences of these things, and, and the consequences of these things, and again, they're like war statistics. You look at them and you see the statistics, but the reality is they're real people's lives in real situations, in real circumstances. And then, you know, I don't have to tell you, we have the highest rates of inflation for decades. And, and fuel bills are becoming increasingly unaffordable. And, and for many of us here, you know, it's, it's a thought. I mean, I sit in my front living room with my jacket on now most of the time. I'm not sure who lets, and, and it's like if you put the heat on for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it's like, ooh. My mum came around, I have to invite her around now so I can put on the heating, it gives me an excuse. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and the truth is, you know, it's, it's going to be hard, but, but for other people, this is devastating. And, and, and it's devastating not even in terms of before the bulls hit. The doormats, it's devastating in terms of their anxieties, in terms of the fears. You know, people talk about debt as a kind of form of captivity and the sort of economic world that we're living in, people are experiencing. There are some stats that um, were put out by CAP. Uh, you know, seven people missed meals in April. This is the Food Foundation in April 2022. In other words, they had to choose whether to pay a bill or to buy food. 
for their family. Seven million people. This isn't some far off land. This is the UK. 3.8 million people. That's getting on for, well, not far off, 7, 8% of our population are falling behind in paying bills. And that's the Joseph Rowntree Foundation. I think that was just recently. And that's going to escalate up. These are real figures. <laughs> These are real people. These are real lives. These are real consequences. And, and the sad thing is, and again, this is why we need to support the people who are on the front lines. Uh, because 2023 is going to be a hard year for our society. And as Christians, it, we're going to have to ask ourselves, what does Christianity mean? Not just in good times, but in bad times. And here's the thing, as Christians, we have a duty of response to what's happening in our society, and, and it comes out of a lament. It, it comes out of a sense of, um, you know, standing with those who are marginalized, with those who are poor, with those who are broken. However, God's purpose for a lament is that it doesn't leave us in a place of darkness. And, and, and again, you see this in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I, I began the act of remembrance this morning with another declaration. Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Your steadfast love never ceases. And, 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 and we see Jeremiah in the midst of the lament over what had happened to his people, what had happened to his society, the, the whole loss of hope. Yet in the midst of that, he discovers hope as Jeremiah is confronted with the compassion and love and hope of God. And so in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the despair, in the midst of the darkness, Jeremiah discovers light. And here's the thing. God's people are called not just to keep that light here, and, and, and hopefully we, we, we will discover and know God's provision and God's care, and, and certainly at an individual level, I know I've seen that in my life, that God comes through, and hopefully we know that. But our society doesn't. Our community doesn't. They don't know that God comes through. They don't know the light of hope. They just know the despair and the darkness. And this is where great agencies like CAP and some of the other work that we do, is that it breaks beyond the walls of the church to get alongside people and bring a message of hope. And the message of hope that Cap brings is not just that you can be debt-free, but you can be debt-free and you can discover a new relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and you, so we're not just about social transformation, we're about individual transformation. And probably more than ever, we, as a people of God, need to think about what it means to carry hope into our world. And as we move towards 2023, and as we look at that year, which is going to be a challenging year, we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a Christian community that truly witnesses to the love of God in the midst of our social, economic, and relational brokenness? Christ wants us to move from lament to discover hope, and he wants us then to be vehicles of helping people move from lament to discover hope. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. For the book of Lamentations, we thank you 
and it found its way into the Old Testament, that, that Jeremiah's experience of total brokenness over what had happened in his community and society, what he saw all around him and the devastation that was there. Lord, I, I just pray that we would have something of the heart of Jeremiah, that we would not have an attitude which says, I'm okay, and I'm not going to worry about the rest. But Lord, that we as a people, we truly have a heart of compassion for our whole community. Lord, I pray that we would have that same heart of compassion that you have for the marginalized, for those on the margins, for those who are struggling economically, for those who know the consequences of total despair. Lord, I pray that as a people of God, that you would help us to bring the message of hope that we proclaim in this church that hopefully we've experienced in our lives, that you would help us to bring it into the life of our community, that in the midst of darkness, we would know your light and love. We ask this in your name. Amen.